The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Now I want to talk about the former UK Prime Minister David Cameron and his sensational return uh, to politics uh, this afternoon, having been appointed as Foreign Secretary uh, by Rishi Sunak, the current Prime Minister. Uh, he replaces James Cleverly, who becomes Home Secretary, to replace the sacked Suella Braverman. Gary Gibbon is with me. He's the Channel 4 News political editor. Gary, did anyone see this coming? No. And there was David Cameron at the Centaph later, lined up with other faces of the past. And that was where we thought he'd moved on to part of the sort of Madame Tussauds uh, waxworks of uh, uh, faded British political life. And then that moment when his uh, car comes up Downing Street and he emerges from the darkened windows is one that many of us uh, won't forget. Whether it actually has massive political significance beyond the sort of cut-through shock moment is something that I think a lot of people are now beginning to chew on. In what way might it prove to be less significant politically than our instincts might have us believe initially? Well, I suppose to be fair, one should uh, say say first what the I mean the cut through that I think people are hoping around uh, Rishi Sunak that it might have is that it'll look like there's an adult in the room, someone who's been around a grandee, and also have some cut through uh, with in the blue walls. It's called not the red wall seats that the Tories won under Boris Johnson and to a certain extent uh, under Theresa May, but the the traditional Tory seats which Lib Dems are creeping up on in the in the south, in the home counties, uh, to an extent in the west of England. And there's a suggestion that he has some message for those people. The whole party looks a bit more centred than sometimes it sounds if he's in the front row of the photos. Mm. But on the other side of the ledger is, will it actually make a difference? Might it even complicate Things. I mean, there's a, quite a few Tory right-wingers who are upset about this, as one Downing Street person called it, the ace in the hand that uh, has been produced by Number 10 to distract from the uh, removal of the dismissal of Suella Braverman. Uh, and they say, well, they don't particularly want this guy around the place. They see him as a as a Remainer, someone who comes with a lot of baggage, as they put it. And much to my amazement, within an hour or so of this surprise uh, appointment, uh, some Tory MPs had managed to put together a whole dossier of the previous remarks and actions of David Cameron on China, which they found uh, offensive uh, and disagreeable. And of course, that's one of his new lead mm. responsibilities. And they can list a number of other areas, these people who don't particularly want him back on the parliamentary estate so uh, and, and, and happily do. What, what, what is the other baggage then he brings to kind of the foreign secretary role? Is it kind of Libya, Syria, Brexit? What else? You've, you've, you've listed a few of them there. He was in office at the time of uh, the Russian invasion of Crimea. He's referred to Gaza as an open-air prison. You know, he's, a, he's an equal opportunities offender, depending on, uh, depending on where your sympathies lie. You can agree, <laughs> lots of people can find things to be annoyed uh, uh, with him about, from Remainers to Brexiteers, depending on whether you think he betrayed the cause or stood with it to the end. And so on a number of foreign uh, policy areas, and then, of course, there was uh, his attempt to build... A career outside politics, which ended up with him lobbying furiously uh, around about the spring of 2020, all sorts of former contacts in government, perm secretary, permanent secretaries, the top civil servants, uh, ministers and others mm. to try and help out a business that he potentially stood to make millions out of and which uh, uh, was one of his post 
political career dreams that uh, founded. And you can't help thinking that sort of second chapter of his life that he was trying to write wasn't yeah. getting towards a very good ending. And this is where he's trying to improve things. We're, we're going to get the views of Anne Whittacombe in just a moment. She's listening in. But I, I just, uh, Gary, a, a phrase you used there, the adult in the room, you know, it's, it's a message to maybe the people and the party that there is an adult in the room. It's the danger for Rishi Sunak, not that, well, he's meant to be the adult in the room. <laughs> um, you might you might well think that. Rishi Sunak has not had the amazing connection with the British voting population that some of his closest supporters thought he would. They thought he would be he would be seen as dynamic of the future, clearly 20 years younger than the leader of the opposition, someone who got tech uh, and who was uh, disciplined and bright and all the rest of it. But all these things that um, they thought might give him a boost, uh, well, that boost just not, has not materialised. And yeah, I'm sure his supporters would still very much say he's the adult in the room. They've added to the quota, of that. <laughs> uh, but uh, that 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 nag, nags at uh, uh, some people who observe his uh, inability to just ba- basically get political traction. Like I say, Anne Whittacombe has been uh, listening in, in, who is a former Brexit Party MEP and former Conservative MEP as well. So, Anne, can you see? The sense in this, which is a different question from whether you think it's a good idea or a bad idea, but can you see the sense in it? No. Um, the <laughs> the only... answer is both, I think. <laughs> the only advantage uh, that Rishi's gained from it is that he has swerved the media attention away from uh, Suella Braverman's sacking and the divisions that are it, it quite inevitably going to come from that. And he's got himself a very brief breathing space but it is brief and what's he going to do next time bring back george osborne so i mean what does he bring to the table david cameron uh, it, uh, in foreign affairs he is miscast um gary's already pointed to, mm. to some of, of the past uh, problems uh we remember that before the referendum he went off to europe said he was going to come back you know with concessions and alterations came back absolutely empty-handed. I mean, completely empty-handed. And that's something, uh, you know, for a British prime minister to actually do. He had been stopped by Parliament from bombing Syria. He's a very precipitate man. You don't need uh, precipitate at the moment because the international scene is very, very tense and it doesn't want somebody who swaggers through. It wants a very cautious, sensible approach. Have you misgivings, and from a, a kind of a, a democratic point of view, about the fact that he doesn't have a mandate? He hasn't been elected to office. He's been a kind of a Joe Soap for the last, what is it, seven years? No, that doesn't actually worry me. And that's probably my age talking, because I can remember when, you know, members of the House of Lords um, held a cabinet office. So Lord Carrington, I can remember, for example, mm. there have been plenty of others. So um, I'm not actually, just because it hasn't happened for a few years, I'm not actually too chary of that. What I'm chary about is, first of all, I think that Cameron will take over from Rishi. Uh, he will imagine that, that he has come in to save the nation. Uh, and he will. Sorry, and do you mean up. actually take over or just figuratively take oh, over around no, the cabinet I, table? Yeah, figuratively. Okay. Figuratively. Uh, obviously, from the Lords, he can't take over in, in the actuality. But I mean, he will take over, if you like, the authority. He will take that away from Rishi Shunak. Uh, and, and sorry, Anne, to cut across you, is that, is, is that because you think Rishi Sunak lacks 
authority in heft or, or because that there is still kind of a, a deference to David Cameron when you look at the makeup of the, of, of, of the current cabinet? Well, I think it's I think it's both. I think okay. Rishi has failed to cut through, um, and that has been a source of enormous uh, disappointment to me. Uh, he has failed to cut through, um, as have most of his senior, you know, lieutenants. Um, uh, but uh, I also think that that Cameron will reawaken, um, or rather, no, he won't reawaken them because they're already there. But he will give extra emphasis to the divisions that there are <coughs> between the blue wall and the red wall. Gary, what about the divisions within the party itself? You know, there was a lot of people who, who suggested like part of the reason Suella Braverman was around the cabinet table for so long was because she satisfied that right wing of the Tory party. Might they now become dissatisfied? Um, I don't know whether we need to do the future tense there. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're well established on that terrain. They're well, they're extremely fed up. And the, the fact that you're, you're talking to Anne Widdicombe, um Today uh, doesn't mean that the that it and she's not in the Tory party anymore. Doesn't mean that those uh, uh, people uh, aren't uh, talking to each other right now. Uh, plotting might be to, putting too strong a word on it. On it, it might not. But there are plenty of them that I have spoken to privately who are extremely hacked off, uh, are mustering their forces, trying to work out their numbers mm-hmm. and how to fight back. And in the broader church of the Conservative Party then, Gary, when you look at polling, I mean, it would suggest and is fairly consistently suggested for a good year and a half or so that um, maybe even longer, that that a spell on the opposition benches awaits whenever the next election happens. I mean, is there resignation? There is widespread widespread resignation on the back benches. And you can see some ministers who are standing down from their jobs at the moment uh, uh, in the lower ranks because they want to uh, make sure that they can hop into a a career post the general election, which they think the party is going to finish. Some people around Rishi maintain uh, their confidence that it can be turned around, or at least they do it when they talk to me. But we keep having these big reveals, these big moments when the Rishi Sunak magic would show itself, whether it was the conference speech, the King's speech, uh, the autumn statement still to come, the budget next year. You wait, they say, you know, you wait, you'll see our sense of direction and cohesion and you'll, you'll tremble. And, and none of them, uh, this is the latest in that sequence. None of the others have quite worked. Let's see whether this does, but I wouldn't bet the house. Uh, Anne, would you be in agreement with those people who suspect that whatever Rishi Sunak is, uh, does, including rolls of the dice like this one, a spell on the opposition benches await? Oh, I've no doubt about that at all. I do not see how. Uh, but, but then on the other hand, you know, a year is a long time in politics. He doesn't mm-hmm. have to have an election for a year. At the moment, Seeing what I see at the moment and what I have seen for the past few years, uh, really ever since the departure of Boris, um, looking at all of that, I cannot see, I just cannot see how they can win next time. But just look at the opposition and despair for British politics. <laughs> and listen, thank you, as always. Anne Whittacombe, who's a former Conservative MP and was a former Brexit Party MEP as well. And Gary Gibbon, thank you uh, to Gary, is the Channel 4 News political uh, editor. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.